Welcome to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast, all about real estate investing in the Calgary market. And now your host, Corey Peckford. Thanks for listening to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. As a client-focused real estate agent in Calgary, Alberta, I'm excited to announce my partnership with Jessica Holmstrom at CIR Realty. Jessica has a wealth of real estate knowledge and is extremely client-focused. If you have any questions about buying or selling in Calgary and the surrounding area, please reach out. We'd love to connect with you. We can also help if you have any questions on specific real estate investing, like how to buy a rental property, legalize in a basement suite, house flipping, plus a personal favorite of mine is how to maximize the sweat equity in your current home. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. It would be really appreciated. Hey guys, in today's show, I had the pleasure of speaking with Dan Thompson from Wise Money Tools. Dan was a stockbroker turned financial advisor, real estate investor, and home builder. He uses alternative investing strategies to build his personal wealth. One strategy he talks about during the show is how he's borrowed money from his life insurance policy to invest in real estate. He recently used some of his policy money to buy a student housing complex. He also provides some great insight on building wealth over time and explains the importance of compounding periods. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Dan, I just wanted to welcome you to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being on the show. Could you just maybe start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and what's keeping you busy these days? Yeah, I've been a financial advisor now 38 years. <laughs> Old guy, see all my gray. Um, <laughs> uh, and I've transitioned from starting as a stockbroker back in 1986. That moved into more traditional financial planning. And then now the last 24, 25 years has been a much more non-traditional alternative style investing with some very unique things that can help people grow their wealth, increase their cash flow and save some taxes. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, a little bit about your backstory, maybe. So how did you end up becoming a stockbroker? Was it uh, an easy thing to become or was it you know a bit of a challenge? It's a bit of a challenge. So my story is when I was 15 years old, I was sitting in the back seat of the car with my dad and one of his buddies. And my dad just, he never made any money, struggled, always more month at the end of the, always more month than money at the end of the month, so to speak. And so I don't know how he had a few friends with some money, but I'm sitting in the back seat and I hear this guy, his name's Dave. And he told my dad that he made $30,000 that month in the stock market. And I'm like, $30,000. So this is the mid seventies, 30,000 a year was pretty decent income. He did it in a month. I'm 15 years old. I'm working for a landscaper, sweating, putting in sprinklers and sod. And I, quickly calculate even with all the hours I could work during the summer, during school year, it would take me nine years <laughs> to make 30,000. And he did in 30 days. So literally from that moment on, I, my goal was to be a stockbroker. I figured if Dave made money doing that in the stock market, the stockbroker has to be wealthy too, taking his own advice. Fast forward seven, eight years. When I finally became a stockbroker, I realized that most stockbrokers were broke <laughs> and Dave was an anomaly, but, but yeah, that's, that was my, that's my backstory. And I just always knew I wanted to be a stockbroker. Interesting. And then did that inspire you? So you went into financial planning as well. So the, from that, seeing your dad struggle financially, that kind of thing, did that, did that make you want to help people with their finances? 
Oh, absolutely. And myself too. I thought there's just no way I'm going to live like this. Somehow, some way I got to figure it out. And as I trans, the reason why I transitioned is because not everybody wanted to just trade stock. And the only way you made money is to buy and sell stocks. I like the idea of financial planning, more or less having a client for their lifetime, showing them stuff that could help them build their wealth and so on. The The problem that I had is I, I practiced it religiously, so to speak. I was very dedicated, studied the whole business, got my CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And then after the dot-com boom and bust of the 90s, I just said, I have to find a better way. This isn't working. You can't keep riding these markets up and down. You got to find more consistent ways to build your wealth, to get cash flow and so forth. And so that's when I left non-traditional. In fact, I dropped my CFP. I don't even want to be considered a quote unquote traditional financial planner because I think there's so many better ways to build your wealth outside of that community. But yeah, that was my transition into more of this alternative style. Interesting. And then you were also a serial entrepreneur, right? So you did some, are, are you still doing home building or a part of it where the custom home building? Yeah. So part of our methodology, if you will, is to get your money into a very safe location. In the United States, I'm sure in Canada too, uh, one of the safest places to store your capital is inside of a life insurance policy, but not for death benefit, built for cash value. So we would build these policies as much as we possibly can. And then we would use that policy as collateral to go do other things, real estate very specifically. So what I did in about 05, 06, I took my policy and I started lending money to a builder. And I did that for a few years and everything was going great. And then the builder came to me and said, Dan, why aren't you just building houses yourself? He said, let me be your general contractor, so to speak. You fund the projects and we'll do it under your name. And so that's what I started doing about 06, 07. And it's turned into a pretty good sized company now. One of my sons uh, sold his company and decided to come run that for us. So he runs our building company and we built a semi-custom home, if you will, and did about, I don't know, 55, 60 houses last year. So we're not huge, but that was all funded off of life insurance. That's amazing. So maybe could you break that down a little bit? I'm not a financial advisor and that's certainly not my strong suit. So on a basic level, if someone was putting money into a 401k or an RSP and they're putting, let's say, $1,000 a month away, are you putting that into the life insurance policy? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, normally we would, we would try to veer away from tax deferred because tax deferred is just another word of saying postponing the inevitable. And a 401k, any retirement plan is ultimately going to have a tax liability at the end of the day. And so what we want to do is get into assets that not only provide cash flow, but maybe some tax benefits as well. And we get a lot of those through real estate uh, here in the U.S. But more importantly, the retirement plans just aren't set up for income. 20, 30, 40 years from now, when you retire, you might have all this money inside of a retirement plan, but they're not set up to start generating income. And in fact, Wall Street here will recommend you don't take any more than 4% out per year. So if you had a million dollars in a 401k, you're talking about 40 grand a year. And that's not enough for many people just to even survive. So you got to be getting two and a half, three million dollars inside of a retirement plan just to get a $100,000 year income. We want to build that much more dramatically, a lot bigger income stream. And 
the other side of a retirement plan is the handcuffs. We call it retirement jail. You can't touch it till you're 60 years old around here. And so you, all the opportunities that might come to you for to buy a vid business or to invest in a business or to get into real estate or multifamily or offices or whatever, all those are by the wayside. You can't do those things inside your, your retirement plans. Interesting. So now, so the money's in a life insurance policy, and then you're able to use that to basically use that capital and invest it in real estate. Is that how, is that fair? Is that on a yes. basic level? Yes. And at the same time, the life insurance still grows because you never take your money out. You use the insurance company's money who uses your policy as collateral. You're still growing and compounding inside the policy and you're using the dollars outside the policy into real estate or wherever else you might have that go. Wow. That's, that sounds really interesting. That almost sounds too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> and what we do is we show the math because we're not trying to we want to do things that really work and build wealth. And so we use logic and math, a lot of spreadsheets. And we can show you that if you were to buy XYZ real estate, and maybe you were expecting a 12% return or something like that, if you run that money through your policy first, you'll actually get a better return and pay less taxes. And you'll have $2 doing the same thing for you. So if this person were to be working with you and they're paying money to life insurance policy and you're using that money then uh, as leverage to, to invest in other things like real estate. Um, now, if they were to pass away, you're saying that the they're still the money is still there for them uh, if that were to happen, if they were to actually need that policy, right? Oh, yeah. Death benefits are always there for their beneficiaries. And by the way, we don't use the money ever. It's them. They're using the money. They just have found a real estate deal or maybe they want to do one with us. Um, they're going to do their own deal with their own money. Absolutely. Okay. They certainly can. And that's, we can help them run numbers and crunch. One of the things I did this past year with my life insurance is I bought a student housing complex at Texas A&M, which is one of the largest colleges in the nation. And they have so much demand for student housing that I bought a student housing complex. The other thing I did is I used my policy to buy a couple offices here in, in where I live in Boise, Idaho. And, and I flipped one really quickly and that flip actually paid for both of them. So there's so many things you can do when you have access to capital. And unfortunately, typical retirement plans don't give you access to capital. They don't, no, not in Canada either. You're going to be taxed. Uh, it's just a deferred, you're deferring your taxes for later is all yes. they're doing. Yeah. That sounds like you have a lot more control uh, than uh, relying on someone else to, to grow it for you. Then you can do anything. One of the other things that work really well in the United States is what's called equipment leasing. And we have what's called a 179 deduction. And long story short, I won't go into too much detail, but you get massive tax deductions by buying big equipment. And then we hire another company to manage that. And, and now you can take all the money that you were going to pay in taxes that year, put it into a policy. Now it's ready to go to go find the next opportunity. Wow, that's incredible. Do you think more people will start employing this strategy or people have that tr traditional mindset, hey, I'm going to put money into the 401k and one day I'll retire? And what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? When they hear about it, absolutely. The problem is we're up against Wall Street, right? Because Wall Street wants all that retirement money, buying mutual funds and staying invested in the markets. And so it's not an easy message to get out. But I can tell you that the thousands of people that we talk to a year the, the multimillionaires, the billionaires, this is what they've done. You don't see too many 
Steve Jobs, oh, I made my money in my 401k or you know, these guys make their money by 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 getting it deployed into alternative fashion. And that's just all we're trying to do is follow what the wealthy have done for years. Yeah. What kind of mindset shift is required for someone younger starting out that, that want, maybe wants to start building wealth? Maybe today they don't have a lot of capital, but something that they can start to compound. Yeah, it's really fun talking to the younger generation because they want things a little more quickly than waiting until they're 65 years old. I'll use my sons as examples. All of them have got this entrepreneurial spirit. And so they, at a young age, with my help and with their own money, built their policies. And now they're using their policies to buy businesses or to start businesses. Their whole mindset is just cash flow, cash flow, cash flow creating more income than they need so that they can do what they want when they want and not be tied to trading time for money. Yeah, that's huge. And then for you yourself, starting out younger, what, what kind of sacrifices did you have to make to I'm sure it wasn't easy, right? It wasn't easy. And mine was sacrifice of time. I just worked harder than anybody. I would, I would go home out for dinner and then have a quick bite and run right back to the office and course, this is the 80s when there's no internet, there's no texting, there's no cell phones. So it was get on the phone and grab the phone book and you know dial away. And it was tough. And I knew it was tough because I was the only guy in there. We were, I was in an office of 20, 25 brokers, and I'm the only guy working. And so, yeah, it wasn't easy, but I proved myself. I found good, solid ways to, for people to to build their wealth. I've got some great tax reduction strategies. And so it's definitely been worth the the climb, but it wasn't easy. Yeah, I bet. And then when did it, the light bulb go off to start pursuing real estate? Where did you see that as a place to move your capital and start going into real estate investing? Yeah, again, just looking at just the, the type of people I wanted to become, the wealthy and seeing what they were doing. And not that everyone had real estate, but a good majority of the billionaires out there have a, a strong foundation of real estate. And when I started seeing not only the net worth that could grow, but the cash flow that could come from it, and then some of the tax advantages, it's a very difficult investment to beat long-term when it gives you growth, appreciation, depreciation, and cash flow all at the same time. Yeah. What do you guys see in for real estate and are you seeing it stabilize or with the interest rates? Yeah, we've definitely seen a slowdown mainly because of interest rates. I, I did a real quick calculation of, oh, a year or so ago and found that the average person would have to give up 500 square feet of home size for the same mortgage. So when they were getting a three, three and a half percent mortgage, maybe they could get a 3000 square foot home. And now based on the affordability, because interest rates are seven and a half or eight, they can only get a 2,500 square foot home. So uh, what I saw is a lot of people just go to the sidelines and just say, I got to wait this out and hopefully interest rates will drop or home prices will come down. We saw a little fluctuation of, of home prices dropping, but nowhere near where people thought because we got the same problem. We don't have any houses. The supply is so low. There was a stat I read the other day that said if interest rates were to drop a percent, more than 15 million people would come back into the home buying market. So we just need to see interest rates come our way a little bit. And I think we're going to see another 
we're, we're probably creating our own bottleneck and our own supply problem by what we've done because the demand is still there. Just people can't afford them or they're waiting. And as soon as that affordability comes back in again, I think we're just going to be out of houses. Yeah. Yeah. We see that here where the, there's certain segments of the market, which would be considered to be a, a buyer's market. If it's more than a million, if it's less, and it's considered more affordable. If it's certain price ranges are hot, other ones have cooled off because of interest rates. Yes. We're we're building more houses for cash and more bigger homes than the average middle market home right now. Interesting. And, and you also uh, are involved with some multifamily stuff as well, right? Yes. Love multifamily. Uh, looking forward all across the country. Just started working on another opportunity in Dallas just this morning, actually. So we're working on that. We'll raise a little bit of money for that. So that's another thing that our clients and other people can get involved in. Whenever we're doing a syndication for an opportunity, we typically are looking for some money and people can get involved that way too. And then what, what are you doing with it? Is it like a burr strategy? What what do you do? Do you put a do you do a renovation and give it a lift or what do you, what do you, or is it a buy and hold on the multifamily side? At this stage, we like things that are already more in the A-class property that we don't have to go in and renovate, that maybe we can just wait it out another year or so and get a, a little extra boost in the rents. But ultimately, our, our goal is to um, maybe raise rents a couple times in the next five years, see some appreciation, refinance, pull out most of our cash, go again. Is it an opportunity for people maybe that are struggling with these higher interest rates and to offload some of their assets? Yes. And what's really interesting is the amount of a buyer carry right now, or excuse me, owner carry. We're seeing that a lot of these guys, they don't really know what or don't have a place to put their cash. They're happy to carry some of the financing on these things. And it's same way with businesses too. My sons have been able to buy a couple businesses where the owners are carrying it. I mean, it just makes financing so much easier. Owner financing, yeah. yeah. They call it a, like a vendor take back mortgage uh, okay. here anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, that can be a great opportunity. And I think that's happening more. I see that more than anything. Or another really cool strategy is just a is a, a lease back. So you go in and you lease the entire property with the idea that you'll refinance it out in a year or two to cash them out. And and that's great cash flow for the buyer or excuse me, cash great cash flow for the seller, and then very little, if any, out of pocket for the buyer. And uh, probably some tax deferral benefits there as well, right? Huge tax deferral for the seller, exactly. That's awesome. Now, can you explain Four Keys to Building Wealth? Yeah, that's my newest book, The Four okay. Keys to Building Wealth. And it's it's nothing, none of the keys are anything too dramatic, but when you combine them, it just creates a just a powerhouse. But it's time. None of us know how much time we have on this planet. So you never want to miss a day. One of the things that always bothered me as a financial advisor, so to speak, is when the markets crashed, people would call up or they'd call into the radio show. Hey, what should I do? Market's down 20, 30%. And what's the standard answer? Just hold on. The markets always recover. And although that's true, the markets typically do recover. They never tell you that you just lost time. And time is a valuable asset. You think about 08. There were people who lost money in 08 that didn't recover for a decade. 
That's mm. 10 years of not making any money. And that's, there's some other variables to that, but that lost time is huge. So you never want to lose time. And then the next one is compounding. The second key is compounding. And this is just the, the amount of time it takes for your money to double. How long does it take for a thousand to become 2000 to become four, eight, 16 and so forth. And if you use the rule of 72, just using 10% as an example, if I divide 10 into 72, that means my money's going to double about every 7.2 years. Then you calculate how many years you have in your lifespan, so to speak. So let's say you're 25, or excuse me, let's say you're 45, and you're going to work till you're 65, and you divide that by seven, that tells you that you only have about three and a half, maybe four compounding periods in your working lifetime. So you can't afford to miss one. Yeah. <laughs> we need that compounding. Then the third one is leverage. And this is where we get to use our policy as leverage. So we're putting our dollar over here and then we're leveraging it into other assets that eventually will leverage into other assets. And we're now using the same dollar to do two or three or four things over time as we leverage it wisely and safely. Leverage is a two-edged sword. Leverage is great. It'll amplify the good, but it obviously will amplify the bad as well. So you got to be careful what you're leveraging. That's, again, why we like life insurance. We don't have to worry about it going down in value. We don't have to worry about it totally going out of value. It's the safest asset um, that you can invest in. So leveraging it makes a lot more sense because we don't have to worry about the downside. Then finally, the, the key number four is tax advantages. The largest bill that any of us will ever pay in our lifetime is taxes. So anytime we can reduce it, or even eliminate taxes and bring that money back to our savings and to our wealth, it'll increase your wealth so much faster. Just think about if you could just think about what you're going to pay in taxes this year. What if you could bring back 10 or 20 or 50 or 100% of that? And now you can invest that and save that. You'll multiply and propel your wealth so dramatically just by eliminating or reducing your taxes. Really well put. It makes me think because I've had investments that, like you said, like they you wait for time, right? Because they drop, but you don't get it back. You don't get that time back, even though it does come back to probably a similar value eventually. But you've just you have lost. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah, it's it's critical. I did a calculation one time for a guy. I said, let's say you're 40 years old and you lose 10 years of growth. And let's say you could save $2,000 a month. The difference, if he started at 40, was like 2.8 million. If he lost a decade, it's 860,000. So he wow. loses over a million and a half dollars by wasting time. Yeah, yeah. And it's outside of your control. Like it's just market does it, right? The market changes. And another yeah. good reason to teach these young kids, hey, anytime you can start saving money, get it going. If you can save in your 20s and you've got more time, more compounding periods, it's just naturally going to build your wealth that much more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some mistakes you see, you've seen uh, maybe uh, with investors over the years? Oh, probably the biggest mistake is trying to get it all in one day. <laughs> I, I had a client call me years ago and he lost a million dollars trading futures. He was promised this ultimate return. You see it a lot in crypto too, because you just never know which one's going to, 
I imagine crypto is here to stay and there's probably going to be many millionaires built, but the, I don't know which one's going to do it. So rolling yeah. the dice on the next great crypto. So I think trying to do it too quick, too fast. And the reality is if you just get good assets, um, you pick up all those things. I mean, you think about buying a piece of real estate and in five years you can pull all your money out and that's all tax-free if you do it in a refi and then go do it again and again. The multiple effect of being able to do something like that will build wealth so much greater than trying to roll the dice on one thing. Yeah, 100%. Can you provide a maybe a high-level view of the Wise Money tool and some of the non-traditional investing that you focus on? Yeah, so Wise Money Tools is just, uh, I have a YouTube channel. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and all of them. But YouTube is where we get most of our attention. We have over 600 videos out there now. And we talk about everything from really just even conservative stock investing, obviously real estate. But it all starts with that leveraging life insurance first, because every asset will get better if I can come from a, a policy first. Plus, I get more tax advantages as well. So, yeah, just all alternative um, we're not going to be talking about buying mutual funds and retirement plans, but we are going to compare why you might want to look at something outside of retirement plans if you can grab a hold of those opportunities. Yeah, for sure. Do you, what other headwinds are you seeing with these higher interest rates? Yeah, I think there's going to be great opportunities in multifamily. You think about this, you think about some of these big hedge funds that bought apartments as an example. And they bought them with variable interest rates. They bought them with a what's called a preferred return to their investor. And now they're coming up on interest rates that are going to renew at 2 and 3% higher than they originally were. They're not going to be able to pay their investors that subordinated return. So I see a lot of these hedge funds selling and bailing out of apartment buildings to the tune of thousands of them across the country. I think it's going to be a great opportunity for guys like us who are looking for those opportunities. But also, I think we're going to be able to get some really beneficial pricing and potentially even some owner carryback. I think with the owner vendor take back, probably seeing a lot of people looking at retiring. They built a business and now they want to you know, have something coming in still, but they basically want to get their time back. Exactly. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. Yep. I think for the for the young, hungry person that's looking for opportunities, there, there's definitely going to be quite a few out there in the next 10 plus years. I would be on the hunt. In fact, I hired a young kid the other day. He just He's 21, 22 years old, and he's been taking his real estate classes, and he's been taking a course on commercial. And I just said, look, let me hire you. Just go find the deals. You're going to be cut in on it. It's a great way for you to get involved because you don't have any money right now. Um and I would tell anybody out there, guys like us value deals. So if there's somebody out there who knows of a deal or, or wants to just go find these deals, every one of us will cut them in for a piece of the action. And that's a great way to get involved in big multifamily without having to have any money. Yeah, that's great insight. Do some legwork. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hustle. There you go. <laughs> 
Okay, we're getting close to the end here. I just wanted to ask you maybe a few more lighter, kind of more personal questions. What, what kind of stuff do you like doing with your downtime? So in the winter, I, I still like to snow ski and so forth, but, and you guys probably have them up here, up there. Have you heard of the timber sled? Oh, yeah. 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 So I love doing that. I oh, mean, you have one? Oh, uh, yeah. I got like three of them. And what does it, what like, what type of? I've got uh, a couple KTMs and a couple Yamahas. Amazing. I, my son and I re ride dirt bikes. I have, there's, we have the tires studded right now. And occasionally I look at them, I look at those timber sled bikes. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I've never ridden one, but it's got to be fun. Oh, you will have more fun than you ever thought possible. So that's my winter activity. In the summer, I've been a competitive water skier for years and years. And now all my kids are, they've got kids. So grandkids like to do this surfing. So we spend a lot of time on the lake surfing behind these big old monster boats. And I try to still do some competitive skiing in the summer. Yeah, you do. Wow. It keeps you fit and active and young, right? <laughs> try. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever do barefoot? Have you ever tried the barefoot? Oh yeah, I did that when I was younger, but it's too, the, the falls are too brutal. Oh, you got to be flying, I think, right? The, the boat have to be going real fast to be able to keep you beat. Yeah, at least 40 miles an hour. And then when you <laughs> slam onto that, yeah, it's not fun to fall. So I quit doing that after a while. <laughs> I don't blame you. What what kind of movie or book would you, that you've seen recently would you recommend? Oh, movie-wise, I, I like those Mission Impossible movies. The latest one is pretty good. Only problem is it's just it's going to be a sequel, so it doesn't give us give you the ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I like that. I I still like any kind of investment real estate book. I love. I could probably read anything from Robert Kiyosaki and Grant Cardone, and these guys have built fortunes doing it the way we like to do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And where's somewhere you'd want to travel that you've never been before? I was just looking at uh, Bali. Okay, And also Tahiti, both of those, uh, excuse me, not Tahiti, Thailand. I've never been interested in that part of the world, but I've seen some clips and some things going on at the beauty of their oceans and so forth. So I, I think that's where I'd like to go next. Nice. Very nice. And what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Oh, it's real easy. The website's Wise Money Tools. That's also the YouTube channel, Wise Money Tools. And then Dan at Wise Money Tools. <laughs> if you can remember Wise Money Tools, you can find me. I'll find you. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I feel like you've shared some great information and listeners, I'm sure, will be reaching out. Oh, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for having me and hope all your listeners have a great one. Thank you.